Hello. Hello. So, and Laura, we are back for another episode yes. of yes, Your Better Than That. <laughs> this week, we are wanting to talk about loneliness, huh? Right. To talk about kind of where that has come from. Yes. My husband's been away and he's away a lot. So, for those listening on the podcast, he travels with his job, he works in the charity sector and it involves a lot of global travel so he's just been away he's still away at the moment and while he was away there were a couple of things that well happened that quite well just normal life things but I was aware of him not being around so one was Zoe's sister got married and I went to that it was amazing but he wasn't there Mm -hmm. and it was a funny moment of like I'm used to being here or things like this with you and there were loads of friends there and people that I knew. I wasn't lonely, but I felt the absence. And it was a funny feeling. And so kind of while he's been away, you know, you move into that mode. For anyone who's listening who is a, a two-parent family, when the other half is away, you kind of shift a mode of, right, I'm doing this on my own. And I, I recognise as I'm saying that loads of people are doing it on their own anyway. But I'm like shifting a gear into I'm doing it on my own. And so went, you know, went to this wedding, and then um, another thing happened that was a bit, a, a bit funny, really, that made me just feel that sense of being on the edge. So it was a really nothingness situation. But I, I took Jude, my middle son, uh, to rugby, and uh, we, I arrived a little bit late, and I, he'd already started to play. And I, I'm standing at the barrier and watching him, and loads of the people who normally play with him couldn't play this week, and he's part of a team that's got upper and lower sixth formers in it so he's the older end of that and there were lots of people around me that kind of knew each other but I didn't know any of them and I'm quite an outgoing person but I I kind of just stood and watched the game and maybe my social batteries were a bit low and I wasn't you know getting involved in anything but um I again felt very aware of my I'm here on my own and I was reflecting on how as a really extroverted personality I felt quite on my own. So how does that feel when somebody is even, uh, I don't know, not as socially confident? Maybe they don't care. <laughs> so there is a possibility they don't care, but there also might be people in the middle somewhere who would like to feel more included and they don't know how to do it. And then there was this like conversation going on near me. I haven't told you any of this. There's this conversation going on near me with these three mums who were talking about trying to buy really long puff coats, which I've got one. (laughs) And I'm like listening and thinking, oh, I don't know whether to tell them where I got mine from. Anyway, a few minutes later, one of the mums says, who's number eight? Who's the boy playing number eight? And I turn and I'm like, that's my son. And I wasn't sure where a conversation was going to go. Who's number eight as in he's amazing or who's number eight? She said, oh, I've never noticed him before. I said, he doesn't normally play number eight. He's been around for a long time. He's not a new person. And she was like, I've not met you either before. So anyway, these mums start to talk to me and we have a bit of a chinwag about this and that. And um, it was this funny situation of we move into the clubhouse at the end and I've just spoke to them a little bit. And I go to leave and then... Jude's coming the other way so I go to go back into the clubhouse and as I go back into the clubhouse they've obviously turned in to start talking about me but I walked back in now to be fair on them I think it was just to be like oh you know we'd not met her before and there was nothing in it but you know when you suddenly become aware you're like the topic of conversation um it was quite funny I don't think they noticed that I noticed that that happened 
So I kind of got in the car afterwards and I kind of smiled to myself and I thought, oh, that was nice. It was nice to chat to them, etc. And there's nothing anyone did that was wrong. But I don't know whether, you know, you felt like I'm aware that I'm the person that's maybe been spoken about or I'm the new person around here. I'm not being included. I'm... Um, I'm on the edge a little bit. And so the whole thing around these situations I've been in made me think about loneliness mm. and that I don't think I'm lonely, but you can feel lonely mm. when loads of people are around you. Yeah. You can feel lonely even when um, you you should have no reason to feel lonely. And I was kind of reflecting on that idea of loneliness and that we categorise it sometimes as a lonely person is someone who doesn't really have community around them, but actually you can feel deeply lonely yeah. And I'm sure you've both had moments of loneliness, even when you're well in a group or, yeah. or a family. And that is like in in life and the workplace as well. I know recently you've had an email come in mm. from someone saying, um, I feel like I dread coming into work sometimes because of how isolated and alone I feel, mm. but I don't know what I can do. And so this idea of loneliness can be in every aspect. Totally. And I wonder whether... I'm all for hybrid. Like I, I'm all for people having the opportunity to work remotely. But I do think people who work fully remotely, how they aren't lonely is beyond me. I know people have different levels of need of people, but we all need people. I heard someone say once, I think it might have been a guy called, in fact, I didn't hear them. I read it. That community, his name's Richard Foster, and he said that community is the sacrifice of the introvert mm. and time alone is the sacrifice of the extrovert. Yeah. <laughs> and so, again, it's not binary. Mm. I think even if you are more introverted, you we are made for connection. Mm. And even if you are more extroverted, you need comf- com- to be comfortable in your mm. own skin. And so when you get an email like that, which I did from somebody saying off the back of one of my like blogs saying, I'm lonely at work and I don't know what to do about it. I mean, I just felt so sad and thought this person doesn't know how to make connection at work. And perhaps some of the remote hybrid nature yeah. is making that even harder for people to do. I'd love to ask them, so how much do you think is on us to learn mm. how to do connection and I don't know, make those meaningful connections yeah. and how much is it on other people to be looking out and drawing people in? Like yeah. what's the balance in that? So really that's a really good question because if you think about personality, there are let alone the the, the more extrovert, introverted people, there are people by nature who are more inclusive. Mm-hmm. My middle son is much more aware of all of, yeah. of people being left out. Like he sees it, he spots it. The other day he came back from being out and he said, I feel a bit overwhelmed because this person said, can you come and speak to this person? And this person said, can this person come and sit by you? And and he feels like people know he's good at it, mm-hmm. so he gets asked to do it. And that's not a bad thing. Like, that's good that he's using his talent. But surely it's on all of us to yeah. see who's on the edge, yeah. even if you have to think about it more intentionally. So I kind of think, on to answer that question, there are those of us who will always be more inclined to do it. And there'll be those of us who are actually, I don't feel like I have room for many more people, but at work, in social gatherings, having like this hard line around where the edge is, I don't think is great humanity, Mm. basically. While saying that, I do recognise people have different bandwidth for how many people that can do, do that for. The person that emailed in felt like they didn't know how to have a connection with anybody. And so... 
on the flip side for your question, what about my responsibility to get included? So I think about me standing there, you know, and these women are having a conversation. Mm -hmm. What's my responsibility to just go, hi, I'm Hannah. And what's their responsibility to include me? Now, that was a low bar situation. I was actually quite tired and quite happy to just watch the game. The interaction began because someone said, who's number eight? And suddenly I was like, I'm so number eight. (laughs) I'm going to mention who he is. Um, So you need to know yourself, again, in terms of how good am I at this? I'm pretty good at like getting myself nestled in. And you probably know how you feel about yourselves and, you know, what makes you feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Laura, we've talked before about how you'll do it, but you know it's outside your comfort zone a bit more. But you are quite an inclusive person on the flip side. I know. I I suppose my values, I don't want people to feel left out. I want to make people feel good. That's what drives me. Yeah. but that's where that's a good example of how we can help each other right that Mm. if one person's good at saying starting a conversation you can then say Mm. come and meet my friend so I think that those of us who are more extroverted and social perhaps we can think how can we use that skill to open the door for somebody else Mm. so I think you can upskill yourself a bit like what Laura's talked about there you can learn to do that better and learn to think right what's my personality and how do I use that to help me make connection maybe you're good at asking questions and maybe you're good at listening and people like to talk about themselves (laughs) so maybe if you're not so chatty you can start by asking some questions as a way of finding a way in so I, I would never say to someone try and be somebody that you're not that's not going to work for you that's not going to work for them you're going to be totally exhausted But like Laura said, she uses this, I don't want people to feel excluded. That could be a motivation to be more extroverted with someone because you're trying to avoid them from feeling Mm -hmm. on the edge. So I kind of think if we all do better at being inclusive and everyone does better at trying to include themselves, we meet in the middle. It's true. I kind of think. think. Yeah, I think when you say meeting in the middle, that's the key because I think about myself and my husband who's very introverted Mm. and an extrovert. We've spoken recently about being at a gathering. For me as an extrovert, I want to float around, speak to people, kind of get a little bit of everything from everyone. And he's like one person only, stick with that person the whole night. Mm -hmm. And so we've had to, even in our own lives, find a balance of, okay, I want to float. He wants to stay with one person. And Mm -hmm. how can we meet in the middle? Yeah, that's good. Similar in my family dynamic with my husband. He's definitely better at going a bit more deep and meaningful with one person Mm. however I do find there are some times when I'm a bit more tired where I will want to gravitate to the people that I know even though I am really like really good at meeting new people Mm. there are days when I'm like actually you know I just want to talk to that person I know and I have to make a conscious choice to do otherwise one of the things I have to watch as well is when you're more extroverted you can also make the other person more introverted by not giving them room and space I think I could be at risk of doing that and like over talking or over compensating for their more quietness which means that they then say even less than they would do so that's that's again another another whole podcast but watching that I don't go into overdrive to allow them to feel like they're included but kind of going back to the loneliness thing my little micro moments of loneliness that I was just mentioning and, and bigger moments of loneliness I've had, when you think about somebody going to work every day and feeling like they don't really know anyone or people don't really want to talk to them, that is a big deal. 
I mean, we have a loneliness minister in the UK, like somebody's been given that job title. That suggests we have a problem with people being alone. And I think it's easy to think that's just uh, perhaps elderly people that live alone. And that is not the only measure of loneliness. You can be in your 20s and have a really large friendship group and say, I am so lonely because nobody really knows me. Um, Nobody uh, makes me feel like I can be myself. I think you could feel incredibly lonely if you only feel included when you have to behave a certain way. That's a lonely feeling, right? You can be in, but only in if you're really fun or only in if you're going to do the banter or, or whatever it might be. But at work... I, I kind of when when I you know email back this person I said is there somebody you can talk to is there a is there a team leader is there somebody not a direct colleague who might be able to act as a bit of a conduit for you and try and help make it happen is there um, a, somebody that you've not tried to connect with yet that maybe could be a new friend is there somebody that you could offer to help or find out a bit more about their personal life. But I think the the question asking in the inquiry is probably the way to go. Um, And I also think sometimes we can get stuck in our own heads and not say the thing or not try and make friends with someone because we're worried about being rejected. So we give off immediate, like, rejection vibes before the person's even had a chance. So I kind of think you have to be quite brave when you felt rejected a few times at work and think, well, the worst that could happen is somebody else is going to exclude me. And if that happens, and if that continues to happen, I might need to look for another place to work. Mm. Or the other thing that might happen is this person's feeling equally lonely and now I've got a work friend. But I do think this dynamic's got more difficult by hybrid, um, by people not really knowing their colleagues. One of the things I get to do, which I love, is in-person workshops with teams and sometimes there's people in the room who've never met each other before. In fact, a lot of the time they'll say, I've never met these three. We've never been in a room. We've only ever been on Zoom. And so I love giving them a frame of reference to actually build relationship quite quickly through using strengths and, and personality profiling so that that whole process gets sped up. So, yeah, I think there are circumstances about life that definitely make it harder but I think you've got to think, have I explored all options and what's maybe what's maybe me in this? Mm. Because it's easy to think it's everybody else. True. What is me in this that I need to do differently? And if I have tried X, Y, Z and I'm getting nowhere, I would absolutely say talk to a, a manager, a kind manager that you've got some relationship with. And then if things continue to add up in a direction, you've got to consider whether this is going to be a place you're going to thrive. Mm. And then it's the big decision of, you know, what could be next for me? Mm. Hannah, I wonder, alongside feeling lonely at work um, and that example, um, in like wider life and somebody's whole life experience, what would you say to somebody who feels like they've always been lonely or... Um, it plays into a narrative in their life or uh, it plays into their identity of this means I'm not good enough Mm. it's the like people treat me like this or I feel this Mm. therefore I am not good enough Mm. there's something wrong with me Mm. why don't people like me Mm. Um, and yeah what would you what would you say to somebody who feels like that Mm. and um, yeah is turning in on themselves I think there's a few things I'd say. I think the first thing I'd say is there's nothing wrong with you. You are a human being with unique values and worth. 
I mean, essentially, there's something wrong with all of us. We're all, you know, <laughs> we're all a bit mad. <laughs> but on the on the kind of foundational level, there's nothing wrong with you if you have felt that way. You haven't found your people yet. I would think that's what I'd say. I was with a friend actually having dinner and we were talking about that we don't take for granted that we have people that are our people. And I want other people to have their people. So I think I would try and turn turn it around saying maybe you haven't found those people yet and not to give up heart. I had somebody on the Purpose Pursuit a few um, cohorts ago and she was so lonely at that point. Uh, she was at a point in her life where there'd been loads of change, relationship change, um, location change. And she said she cried in the first episode and she said, I'm just deeply lonely. And actually, through rediscovering who she was, understanding more about her personality, she began to formulate a plan of how can I get less lonely in this period of time? And I was actually with her the other day and, and she'd reflected on the last year and said, I've made so many connections not even in the places I expected and not in the way that I'd expected, but through learning to love who she was, she made better connections. Because yeah. I think when our self-worth is low, yeah. we present with that. Yeah. And if you know you think I'm not good enough or nobody wants to be with me, we can present already making apology for ourselves. That's so true. Yeah. And and that's then difficult for someone to, to be fair on the other individual. That can be quite difficult to actually connect with, uh, even with their best efforts. You could be just waiting for the moment that they're going to reject you or leave you feeling lonely. So maybe there's something, if there's a wider narrative, to be thinking about, do I really know myself and do I know the unique contribution I make? Mm. Again, that's why I do the Purpose Pursuit. That's why I love Clifton Strengths. Because when you use these tools, you can use Myers Briggs, you can yeah. use whatever you want. But when you get to see that, you're like, actually, this is what I do really well. Other people don't do this, I do it. So how do I show up yeah. and give my gifts? Mm -hmm. And I think if we can think I'm in this to be me and to bring my talents to this person, mm -hmm. I've got nothing to lose. Yeah. So even if they don't reciprocate, I've done my thing. I brought me in all its glory and I showed up. Yeah. And if they don't reciprocate, you've changed your measure of success. Mm -hmm. And eventually they will. Like, I'm, I'm convinced of that. So, yeah, get to know who you are and learn to love who you are. Somebody mm -hmm. said to me as well on a reflection from the Purpose Pursuit the other day, again, a side point, but they wanted to know more about what they should do uh, by the end of the course. But they said, I also know so much more about who I need to be. Mm. And that's like, Absolutely. when you know who you need to be, yeah. you can show up mm -hmm. and you can make those connections by actually offering out rather than what can I get. Mm. And I think that changes the way you see those interactions. Mm -hmm. But I would say you've got to rewrite those tapes. Mm -hmm. I said tapes, you don't even know what a tape is, do you? You're only baby. <laughs> Tape, rewrite the CD, <laughs> rewrite the, the whatever, Apple music. the Apple Music, rewrite whatever it is you need to rewrite depending on when you were born so that those tapes don't play over that same narrative of not good enough, nobody likes you because they become totally self-fulfilling prophecies. Yeah. I'd love to quickly touch on loneliness in leadership. Yeah, it's so lonely. I, yeah, I mean, I've heard that a lot of times. Mm. So what would you say to the leader who is maybe responsible for a lot of people mm. but also feels like 
gosh, I have nowhere else to go or mm-hmm. I don't want to be vulnerable because I don't want to give off something that will mm-hmm. damage the people that yeah. I'm responsible for. Yeah, it's a really, I mean, I think we could have a really good discussion about this practice and table that to think about another time because I talk to loads of lonely leaders, loads of lonely leaders. Mm-hmm. They're alone in their decision-making or even if they have a team, they're worried about um, getting it wrong. Uh, they're worried, like you say, about this vulnerability. Can I show up and really be me? They don't, I remember being at a group actually of CEOs and it's a slightly separate conversation, but they said, we were talking about praise and recognition and this one CEO said, well, who's there to do that for me? Mm-hmm. And what he was reflecting there is there's a loneliness of who's going to give that back to me. And actually, can we create environments where there are safe individuals, where we minimise that loneliness? So there's wisdom in not telling everybody yeah. everything as yeah. a leader. That's not helpful. You do not want your leader to tell an entire organisation, <laughs> I'm really panicked about where we're going to go. And I think all this is going to go wrong. That's not hugely helpful for your team who are looking at you as the like captain of the ship to go, ah, I don't think that's wise. But there could be a couple of senior leaders that actually can be brought into that place. And you can lead in a first among equals kind of way. Uh, I like that language of, the book does stop with me, but these people can be equal with me in this place. So learning to be a bit more vulnerable creates connection and it creates um, that's a, a less lonely environment. I'd also say that you probably need somewhere outside of work with other leaders. Mm-hmm. So environments where you are with people, where you can be brutally real. One of the pieces of work I do regularly is with groups of CEOs and they're all part of a membership where they can reduce their loneliness by being in a group together. So whether you're a CEO, a leader, um, middle manager, whatever your role is, having an environment where you can connect with people who you're not directly responsible for, but people understand because they're in similar positions themselves is a way of minimising loneliness. But I also think that We've got to take a step closer to people to reduce minimi- reduce our loneliness as a leader. And sometimes with the right people being honest and saying, I-, I just need you to support me today. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The most effective leaders in the world would have done that and said, it's difficult for me today and I need you back. Um, we don't have to feel like lone rangers. That kind of plays into the way we see our role and the way we see what leadership is. Leadership is about developing hope. It's about being a person of trust. It's about having compassion. And it's about having uh, stability. And you can do all of those things, but you can do that with a bit more proximity. Mm. It's about being wise about who you do that with and having trustworthy people around you. But if you can't trust that close leadership team around you, that's a whole different set of problems mm-hmm. <laughs> for another day. So it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So what one-liners would you yeah. give for people in this area of loneliness, in their work, mm-hmm. in their life and in their leadership? Okay, so in their life, I'd say get to know yourself and see connection with others as an opportunity to give to them. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd say. And you will get in return, like definitely with someone soon, that will happen. If you change that narrative of they're not going to meet me, you meet them and see what happens. I think in workplaces, I would think about knowing my strengths and think, how can I use those to help me make connection? I would ask questions and use inquiry and offer help. 
So ask questions and offer help in the workplace. Show interest, show willing and be 10% braver counting the cost of what might go wrong and do it anyway. I'd also find a safe manager if things get really bad. And as a leader, I'd say find a couple of people in your senior team that you can choose to trust a little bit more than you are. Make sure they're safe individuals and find yourself a space outside of work that can also act as a place that reduces that loneliness Mm -hmm. and gives you a place where you can be free of expectation um, and be fully yourself and realise that actually the things you're experiencing, people are also experiencing. Loneliness often comes because we don't realise that what we're feeling, we've got some friends that have a podcast that's called It's Not Just You, and that's essentially reducing loneliness, isn't it? You're not lonely in any of these feelings or any of these emotions because actually pretty much all of us are feeling them. We're just not talking about them. The number of people that are dealing with what you think you're the only one dealing with Even people you think are the most confident people feel lonely and feel rejected. So take the risk, reduce that distance and you will reduce your loneliness. And just to say, some people will let you down. Some people won't be worthy of your trust. That doesn't mean that we then decide everyone isn't worthy of it. Mm -hmm. That will happen again. Like I will trust people and I will let people in who will let me down. But if I then go, right, never again... Who's, who's, who's hurting from that? Nobody else. Me. I'm the one who gets, you know, uh, loses out by choosing that. So you've got to go in knowing that there is a likelihood that somebody might not meet your expectations. But what other option do you have? That's kind of how I look at it. Do it anyway. Yeah.